Good morning. Today's reading is out of Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Dave. Hey, that was great. Well, Jenny definitely got us all warmed up this morning. Um, and yeah, just thank you to Woe Worship Team for um, serving us and, and serving the Lord and, and honestly preparing our hearts. Um, we don't go out of our way too much. The, the worship team always does a lot of work to help kind of kind of bridge the sermon and the and the um and the and the songs that we'll be singing and i'm just in awe of really how well that's done this morning and so thank you really for setting the stage for us and um i think i forgot to introduce myself my name is dave i'm a i'm a pastor here at redemption and i typically do a bulk of the preaching and so if you're new or you've never heard me preach before i just want to give you a a, a heads up that i have a sp- speech impediment and it'll come in and out as, as I go as I preach and um, so just give you a, a heads up on that. We're going to get into it pretty quickly here. We've got a lot to cover. As usual, we're continuing to march through Exodus, and we could take five years in Exodus, but we're taking about 15 weeks. So um, we're covering bigger chunks. Um, we just sent out in our weekly email um, uh, some encouragement for ways to read through Exodus. Continue to read through it on your own. We can't cover every word, um, every you know, comma, semicolon, everything like that as we go through it. So we're covering kind of bigger chunks, but want to encourage us always to get into God's word, all right? We believe the, the scriptures that say that, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, that is, it, is, it is profitable for teaching and correction and for rebuke. And so... Um, We also believe where the word says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. And so that's where we're coming uh, with this expectation. So again, let me commission us to, to, to read through Exodus, okay, on your own. Um, even we can make available, I think we have, um, but where we'll be covering each week. And so you can look ahead and, 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 and read and pour into and prepare our hearts to hear and learn from the Lord through his word. So this morning, turn with me to Exodus chapter 5. We're in Exodus chapter 5 through chapter 7, verse 13. And um, so get there. If you don't have a Bible with you, would you hold up your hand high and keep it up, and somebody will get you a copy of God's Word, all right? I want to make sure that you're following along, that you can read and see where we're going. Again, I'm not going to be able to cover every word, so I want you to have God's Word in your hands, okay? So hold your hand up. We're not going to make fun of you this time. But um, yeah, so, so get your hand up, get a copy of God's Word. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia en español y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, uh, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en el libro de Éxodo, capítulo 5 a 7. So again, this is our gift to you, okay? Keep it, keep a copy of God's Word, write your name in it, underline stuff. And uh, we'll go from there. So let's pray, 
right, as we get into our time together. Kind of the big tagline we've walking through with Exodus is that God is making himself known in a world where he's been so greatly forgotten. So let's continue to see the Lord as he makes himself known. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you expectantly. As Sarah said earlier, as she called us to worship, we, we are all coming from different places. Some of us are excited for a three-day weekend and barbecues and you know, pool parties. Some of us are, are, are grieving and are sad and, 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 and are reminded of loss and of pain. Um, some of us, perhaps even worse, are just feel numb and just don't feel much of anything, and that can be one of the scariest places. And Lord, you know where we're at. You know every number of hairs on our head. You know our days. You know our coming and our going, our lying down and our standing up. And so we come before you, the author, the hero of life, of all of life. And so we pray that you will shape us individually and as a community through our time in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, getting right into it. Chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Okay, you can underline there, thus says the Lord. That, that's a key phrase in all of Scripture, and particularly here, it's, it's, it's often used by the prophets of God who are speaking on behalf of God, speaking the direct command and word and exhortation and encouragement of God. When they say, thus says the Lord, it, it's, it's meant, listen, you need to listen up right now. Okay, this is God speaking, all right? When I'm preaching, I don't say, thus says the Lord, unless I'm reading God's word, okay? But I am here to communicate God's perfect and holy and true word that's given to us. And so that's what's being done here when Moses and Aaron come before Pharaoh, right? This is their first kind of showdown with him. And they stand before him and they says, thus says the Lord. And this is given so that the audience, the recipients, the hearers will perk up. And we'll say, okay, this is God speaking. The Lord, as he's made himself known, he's speaking. It's also given to encourage the communicators, all right, that Moses and Aaron can remember. Listen, take courage. Okay, take heart. Know that as you're speaking right now, you're not just making stuff up on your own. You're not just trying to, it's not through eloquent speech or wisdom or anything like that. God is revealing himself. So that's what's happening. That's who's communicating right now. And he says, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Let my people go who I have created and called to worship me. Let them go so they can continue to worship me. But look in verse 2 what Pharaoh says. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Okay, there are tons of stories. I was thinking there are illustrations, all these different things, but you know the drill, right? There are movies, there are probably in our own lives stories where someone comes and says, you know, my mom said X, Y, Z, and then someone says, well, who's your mom? Like, I don't know your mom, I don't need to listen, right? Or again, there are movies, tons of movies where someone misunderstands who someone is and acts one way, and then all of a sudden there's a, well, let me tell you, or let me show you 
who I'm talking about, on whose behalf I'm coming, right? Like in that instance, right? My mom said, whatever it is, well, who's your mom? Well, my mom's the principal. Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't know that. All right, okay, I gotta go now. All right, all right sorry, here's your lunch money back. Okay, I, right? Like that, that's the kind of scene here where Pharaoh's not saying, who is this Lord? Tell me more about him. I'd love to know him. I'd love to serve him. Myself. Maybe I could join you. We'll have a picnic. We'll go out into the wilderness and we'll worship the Lord. That's not what's going on. Pharaoh is saying, I don't know him. I don't know his name. I don't know his character. I don't know his works. I don't know what he does. So I'm not going to listen. There's a sense of defiance. Okay, there's, and that's important for us to understand because this will continue time and time again. And Pharaoh's posture is, who is this Lord? I don't know him and I don't have to do what he says. He's not the boss of me. All right, and so seriously, as it continues on here, some have said that the entire rest of the book of Exodus and even the rest of the Old Testament is God continuing to reveal himself, to answer Pharaoh's question. This is who the Lord is. This is why you should listen to him. This is what he's saying. And then he makes things harder. He ramps it up. He says, I'm not going to listen to him. And in fact, I don't know your God. Therefore, I don't respect you. So I'm going to pile on a weight. I'm going to make life hard for you. And as we see that, look ahead in verse 10. It says this. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Right? They're making bricks. They're, they're enslaved and they have to make bricks and they use straw and it makes it easier to do that. And they would provide the straw so they could do this incredibly difficult task with the straw that, that the Egyptian overlords would provide to them. Well, he says, listen, um, you're a bunch of crybabies. You're whiny. I don't even know or respect your God. I don't even believe in him. I don't think he's real. And then this says, in fact, thus says the Lord. Well, who cares what he says? Thus says Pharaoh. And there's a clear intentional placement here that we are, the stage is getting set for us to see throughout the rest of Exodus a showdown, or at least it looks like a showdown, kind of spoiler alert, it's not even a fair fight, <laughs> all right? But as we enter in here to the story, this, this idea this is given of thus says the Lord, well, maybe obey that, thus says Pharaoh, Okay, and the stage is set. And in this moment, God's people who come, right? M Moses and Aaron come confidently, right? Like they mustered up, like they just got a pe pep talk, right? They're between rounds. They just got knocked down. They went back. They're getting kind of cooled off, fanned off. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. You got this. You got this, right? You're, you're my people. You're, you're going to use my voice. Your tongue might be slow, but hey, I created the tongue. So you got this, right? They go back in. All right, here we go. Boom, knocked down, <laughs> Right? And enter into that for a moment on a real level. They're weary. They're tired. They're exhausted. They just heard at the end of chapter 4, they heard God's plan, and it says, I don't have it on the screen. I told you, raise your hand, get a Bible, right? So if you have a phone, you can go there now still. Don't go to whatever scores, ESPN, um, right? But look at the Bible here. Back in chapter 4, at the end of it, in verse 31, and the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. This is after like 400 years. And they believed God and they worshiped. And they went back in and they got knocked down. It got worse. 
Okay, and that's a theme that we're going to pick up on. But they make their, 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 their upset, they make their anger known to Moses, right? Because he's speaking on God's behalf to say, I, well, we're weary, we're exhausted, we're not happy. This has gotten worse now. We just worshiped God, we believed him, and now it's gotten even worse. So they go to Moses and they make their, their frustration known. And then Moses, in turn, goes to God and makes his frustration known. And so God reveals himself again, and he answers Moses. Pick up with me, and I'll just kind of read and go. And I told you we're kind of covering big stuff, so we're going to dive back in here in chapter 6 now. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Okay, pause there, because that, that phrase is used a lot throughout Exodus. We've, all, we've all already hit on it a few times. In fact, throughout the whole Bible, that's used a lot. And what this is doing is it's reminding whoever is hearing and wherever they are, all right, like us in this moment. Listen, pause for a moment on an individual level and a corporate level. Remember God. God made promises in this case, over 400 years ago, thousands of years ago, God made promises to these people, and those promises are trustworthy. You can take them to the bank. You can, you can, you can build your life on them, and those promises apply to you. And then he says something else here in verse 3 where he directs it. He specifically encourages Moses on where he's at. He said, listen, I made my name known to them. But he said, I didn't make myself, or, or sorry, I, I made promises to them. I appeared to them. But, but the name of the Lord, where we were last week, where God reveals his name, not just James, you know, Sarah, whatever. No, but his character, who he is, what it means to relate with him and to be his people. He says, listen, I did not make my name known to them. But I did to you, okay? He, he gave his name to Moses. He revealed himself in a unique and special and intimate way. And there's this theme throughout the Old Testament where God is revealing himself more clearly. Okay, that's important for us to remember right now because he's saying, listen, I made promises to them. I appeared to them, but I did not like I did for you. Okay, take heart. I made promises and I'm still working. Okay, and that, that theme continues here where God is, is revealing himself intimately. And then pick up with me, like I'll skip ahead maybe verse, verse, verse 6. Or no, even back in there in verse 5. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slave, and I have remembered my covenant. Remember, back there in chapter 4, God heard, right? And that was an encouragement. God's like, I see you. Okay, not like, I see you, baby, right? But like, I see your pain. So, some of you don't get that, all right? We'll, we'll get there. We'll work on these things together. But God's like, I see you. I know you. I, I see the grief, the pain, the struggle, the heartache, the tears, the numbness, right? Wherever you are, where, I, I see it. And that was an encouragement to the people. And God is reminding them, I still see you. But again, let's enter in here to their moment, to where they're at, right? 
from our perspective, we have the opportunity to read this whole thing and we know, oh yeah, 400 years, what's two more weeks, right? But imagine in being in their shoes. Yeah, 400 years, okay, we finally started to believe God, to trust him a bit, but like some of you students, I don't know if this was just me, but I remember being in class when I was in like fifth grade, specifically sixth grade actually. I remember looking at the clock, just like I got the one right here, I do have a clock, don't worry. Um, But looking at the clock and being like, anything over half an hour was just like, it might as well be 400 years, right? Like, I know recess is coming, but I literally, and I'm a talker, I'm an extrovert. Even though I have a stutter, I think that's why God gave me a stutter, to like slow me down a little bit. I would have spent all day, every day in the corner, if not for that, probably keeping me in check a little bit. But I still would blurt things out and just, I couldn't handle it. And they didn't have Montessori and all that kind of business, you know, like they do now. Like, oh, go do your own thing. Like, what is that? Like, go do your own thing. You be your own teacher. Like, I wish that would have been the case. (laughs) But imagine, okay, sorry, don't focus on the wrong part of the story. You're sitting there. And yeah, it's class is one thing, but whatever it is, pain, enduring a job that's just, you're experiencing oppression. It's not just you're getting underpaid and overworked. You're in a relationship that's abusive, that's painful, that's difficult. You have chronic illness that's like, keeps ratcheting up, right? God's promises from 400 years ago, like sound nice, but, but like right now, what, what about right now? And God's message He says, I have heard the groaning. Just pick up in in verse six. He says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. Who's God? Our God, you can say that, my God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. Who's the Lord, your God? I, God says, I am the Lord, your God, the one who made myself known to you. Not thus says Pharaoh, I, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who created you, the one who knows you, hear me, the one who sees you. There's this encouraging message But in verse nine, Moses, right, goes back in, gets a little encouragement. Okay, I can go tell the people that, and he does. He goes back and he spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Okay, let me pause for a moment here. Because we can read this again from like historical kind of place of judgment be like, oh, once again, they're, they're not believing God. And that's true. That theme will happen time and time again, but enter in for a moment. I don't think God is scolding these people right here. They heard this promise. They heard this good, mo- this good news. And like some of us in here this morning, we're exhausted. It's hard to believe God, to take him at his word. It says because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery because of where they're at 
they, they're weary. They, they, they just say, I'm, I, they're real. Okay, real, hear me now. Real does not mean, oh, it doesn't matter who God is. He's whatever, he's Santa Claus in the sky. He's make up, you know, create your own God, build a God, like build a bear and just whoever, he's warm and fuzzy and cuddly. No, God is just, God is righteous, God is holy, God is creator of heavens and earth. God created the great white shark, the lion, spiders, whatever it is that makes you scared and remember, okay, God is great. But because he's good, he, he, he gives space for us to be real. There are a couple, just this morning, I just, so I just added these in, just this morning, God has, 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 has brought a couple of verses that I want to share with you. I don't have them up on the screen, but just sit. I'll read these three verses and just hear, because, now hear me now right now. Okay, look at me. This is just true. Because you put your faith in the Lord, because you follow him, does not mean life gets easier. Okay, I want to be real with you. Often it gets harder. Like in these cases, end of chapter four, they believed and they worshiped. Chapter five, life gets harder. They get beat down. On Sunday, they have their arms raised up and they're praising and they're worshiping and they're encouraged and they go right back in and boom, get knocked back down. That's real life. And from God's word, a couple of verses Psalm 55, verse 1, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Psalm 130, verse 1, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. These are similar places. I'm, I'm weary, I'm beat down, I'm tired. There's injustice, and I'm struggling to believe that you are just, that you are powerful, that you are good. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. There's an expectation that there will be tribulation. And the author of Romans, Paul, his encouragement is, listen, rejoice in hope. Be constant in prayer. Okay, you're going to continue to have tribulation. And that's what God's message is here to his people he encourages them. He continues to reveal himself to them. He's like, again, I hear you. I, I see you. And I'm not going to read through this whole ge genealogy. Yes, because the names are hard to pronounce, but that's not why. Also, for sake of time. But I want to mention, okay, verses 14 through 30. So the whole last part of actually beginning, so from verse 10, okay, so chapter 6, verses 10 through 3, Moses goes back to Okay, remember, he's emboldened. Okay, God, I'm your mouthpiece. I'm your voice. Thus saith the, 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 the Lord. I can make fun of stuttering because I have one. Okay, you're not allowed to. I can't. Okay, <laughs> Moses goes back and is like, he's bold though, right? He musters it up. He goes back to Pharaoh. Hey, check yourself. Thus says the Lord. Boom, knocked down. Oh, maybe I am a little more insecure than I like to put on. All right, sorry. This is my own little counseling session on this stuff. <laughs> but seriously, like he gets bold, then he comes back. Well, now in verses 10 through 13, he goes back. God, I, I believed you. I was bold, but I'm, he says I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. He's like, who am I to speak on your behalf? And once again, God doesn't say, no, Moses, you're, you're good, buddy. You, you're, you're good enough. You're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. Go back. Get in the game, little guy. No. What does he do? He reveals himself. He encourages Moses, and he encourages the people. Let me remind you, in these genealogies, are full of name after name, 
family after family, God reminding his people that he has been at work from generation to generation to generation. And again, hear me now, on an individual level and on a corporate level, we need to grow in our practice of reminding one another, of reminding ourselves, oh yeah, God, I remember that time in my life. I remember times when I, I journaled and I, my hand couldn't keep up because my heart was beating so fast of the intimacy I experienced with you. And when you sit there right now and you're like, I got nothing. I'm mad, I'm weary, I'm exhausted. On a corporate level, all right, if, if we're, our church is growing, our church is shrinking. There are churches in town, the one that we just prayed for this morning. I know them, I know their, their pastor. They're a, they're a historic black church and, and they are, have been a faithful presence. And so when they pray for vision, they're in a place right now of like, man, we, we, we've been faithful, but is God faithful? I'm putting words in their mouth a little bit, but I, I mean, it's like, it's not easy always for a group of people seeking to be a faithful presence in the community God has placed us in. And his message is, listen, remember my faithfulness. So then in chapter seven now, he picks back up and he reminds us. And something I actually heard this week is we do what's called a pastor's or preaching collective, all the different pastors from the nine different redemption congregations who are gonna preach on a text. We all get together and, and we talk about it, we pour over it, we make sure we're you know on the same page page and and all this stuff and it's it's great and 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 one of the guys Josh Butler from Redemption Tempe he wrote a couple great books by the way I'd encourage one's called Skeletons in God's Closet talk to you some of those anyway he's awesome and he's um some people call him the woke Malcolm Gladwell because he looks like Malcolm Gladwell but he's even more woke than him but anyway he said this and and he says this what we learn from this, God's message to his people is this. The God who is with you is bigger than the Pharaoh who's in front of you. That's God's message. It's not, oh, it's going to be easy. Health, wealth, and prosperity. Life's going to get easier. His message is, I'm bigger and I'm with you. And so in chapter 7, God continues to say that. And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. Again, stutter and all, fears and all, anxiety and all. I'm with you. You will go and you will speak. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Verse three, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Though God ups his game and makes it bigger and more, more, more grandiose, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will let my hand on Egypt and I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel. Whose people? My people. God's people. He reminds again and again. Listen, this whole showdown right now you have between you and Pharaoh, it's really between me and all the powers that be in the world out there that try to go up against me. I will, he, I will say to let my 
people go, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. God will reveal to Pharaoh, to all the Egyptians, through his word, to the whole world, hear me now, to you and me, that he is the Lord. And this is what life looks like when we are part of his people. So again, to be pastoral, let's camp out here for a moment in this verse three there, because I know some of you didn't hear a word I said since I read there, that God said he will harden Pharaoh's heart. Okay, we, we need to pause there and dig into that. Again, Josh Butler brought up some things and he actually wrote like a little document explaining the different Hebrew words that are used here in Exodus, the words that are used back there, as we read last week, where God hardens Pharaoh's heart, and what that means, there are three different Hebrew words used. Well, specifically here, something that we would miss in our English, you know, just understanding and read here, and that's why it's important to not just sit there, oh, me and God, and, and then some incense and a nice cup of chamomile under a shade tree. I just get whatever I need. I don't know, like, I wouldn't have made this connection, all right, without God's people and the community of helping us to understand God's word. So what's being said here when God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart is the same word for hardness that's used in chapter five, verse nine, when Pharaoh says, I will basically, I will glorify myself by making the work harder on the Hebrews. I'm going to make life harder on them. And, and you will see, my, you will see, thus says Pharaoh, you will see my glory on display. And God in his sovereignty and his oversight and his wisdom says, Pharaoh, you're not in control. You're not even in control of your own heart. I will harden your heart and make life harder on you in order to bless and care for my people and further glorify my name. Amen. Who's God? The one who's with you. The one who sees you the one who cares, and also the one who has all authority and all power to step in and say, listen, I will show something of Pharaoh. I'm not, it's not a tug of war. It's not a fair fight. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and I will reveal my glory through how I deal with him, and I will bless you in the process. But as I've said before, right, as we come before Exodus, we need to understand this. Exodus as we, as we come under God's word, right, as we see the God who is making himself known through Exodus, all of us are both implicated and encouraged. And something that Pharaoh does, there's an, another phrase I gave a couple weeks ago, that there's a little bit of Pharaoh in all of us. So as the hope in the heart is to encourage right now, I also want to pause and recognize and ask, who of us have this same posture of Pharaoh where we harden our hearts, where we say, thus says God, who's God? I don't know him. He can prove himself to me. I'll sit back and, you know, if God opens the skies and lets himself known to me, and if he does this and, you know, then yeah, maybe I'll believe in him. And we get a little too comfortable with the, Jesus is my homeboy. I can sit in his lap and, you know, stroke his beard and love him and know him and it's all encouraging and we forget his glory and his power and his goodness and his justness. Um, author and pastor Timothy Keller in talking about hell says this, and it's similar to this same idea of Pharaoh's hardened heart. 
right? Last week I gave the, 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 the definition of, um, whoops, you gave away the surprise before I was ready. No, I'll, I'll just read this and I'll explain it. So this is what he says. Hell then is the trajectory of a soul living a self-absorbed, self-centered life going on and on forever. In short, hell is simply one's freely chosen identity apart from God on a trajectory into infinity. And I share that because I want to be caring and loving. I have family members who I think that's the trajectory they're on. So I don't say that like Bible thumping, fire and brimstone preacher up here, just arrogantly throwing it down like it's not talking about real people. Okay, but again, if you're in this room this morning and there's a posture before God that's more like Pharaoh and less like God's people in chapter 6, verse 9, that says, God, where are you? Okay, if there's like Pharaoh, I don't know God, who is he? I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't, I don't care. Pharaoh's heart, his hardened heart is a self-absorbed, self-centered life. It's all about me. It's all about what I believe. God, you can prove yourself. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm the judge and the jury, and I'm in the, I'm in the driver's seat, and God, if you fit in, then maybe I'll make some space for you, and you, happy little Christian, trying to share the gospel with me, like, convince me, whatever. All right, and I admit, sometimes I come with that posture, and I think God, thankfully, slaps me down and reminds me, listen, I'm God. I'm pursuing people. I let you be a part of it. You might get to see someone pray to put their faith in Jesus, and I, I long for that and love it when it happens. But, but, but I need to come non-anxiously. We need to come non-anxiously and simply present the good news. And if someone sees it as good news, amen and amen. But if someone's heart is hardened and they reject it, then, then not like that's on them, whatever. Like, but, oh, God, will you soften their heart? Holy Spirit, will you give ears to hear and eyes to see? I can't do that. Amen? Again, if you're here this morning, hear me, look at me. Let me implicate you. Let me warn you. Let me, again, call you and me to God's word that implicates us. If you're on a trajectory of Pharaoh saying, what's up, where are you at? Then I, I pray that he humbles you through his spirit, through his word, and that unlike Pharaoh, you would repent and believe. You would turn. And again, if you're here and you identify more with where we were in chapter 6, verse 9, let me again encourage you. There's a huge difference between where are you, Lord? Those verses in Psalms, that verse in Romans, that verse in Exodus chapter 6, verse 9. God, I'm weary, I'm exhausted, I have a broken spirit, and I'm experiencing some form of harsh slavery. Where are you, God? That's good. Where are you, God? I need you. I need you to show up. Continue to do that. Pray that prayer. But again, let me warn you, if there's an arrogance and a hardness of heart, I pray that you will repent and will turn in faith. Because again, the whole message of Exodus is God revealing himself, making himself known. And that continues throughout this whole rest of chapter 7, and I'll actually just read verses 10 through 13, because this is where 
Now God begins to ramp up revealing himself to Moses. I'm sorry, to Pharaoh. And if I've done, by the way, even as I've gone through this, for some crazy reason, I keep switching up Moses and Pharaoh. So I'm going to trust you to be paying attention. If I say something about Moses that clearly applies to Pharaoh and something about Pharaoh that clearly applies to Moses, like do the editing work and help me out, okay? Like I'm sorry, but I'll try to get it right. Okay, so this is what God does to Pharaoh in verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Okay, again, they went back into the, their corner. God cleans them up, dusts them off, re-encourages them, affirms them, sends them back out. And this is what they do. They go back and they did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. Let me pause there for a moment. Again, don't focus on the wrong part of the story. This will happen three times, a total of three times. This is one of the three, the first of the three, where Moses and Aaron, on behalf of God, do something, and then these like tricksters, these, these sorcerers, do the same thing. And we wouldn't be like, well, how did that happen? Why did it happen? The, the big idea is this. The author of this book and the Bible as a whole, God didn't want us, he, we don't know exactly. Was it slunk white of hand? Was it like, you know, smoke and mirrors? Was it demonic? Did they actually have power and actually do that? Maybe. I, I don't want to, probably both is my, my, my thought. But again, that's not the main point. Pick up with me the end of verse 12. Where is the main point here? But Aaron's staff, right, the one that was under God's control, Yahweh, I am who I am, the one with whom you have to deal, the one with whom, the one you have to give an account to, that God, what did, what happened with that one? Um, oh, it swallowed up all the other staffs. Okay, the main point is, each time this happens, it's like, oh no, Maybe the tug of war is actually more even than we thought. No, 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 that, that one, God actually controls that. He, it eats all the other ones. But look at verse 13. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He would not listen to them as the Lord had said. And this sets the stage for the plagues, the, the, where God ratchets it up. God reveals himself more clearly, and that's where we'll be in the weeks ahead and the weeks to come. But right now, again, we're all left with this question. How do you respond to the God who is making himself known in a world where he's been so greatly forgotten? Are you and I like Pharaoh? Who is God? I don't know him. Why should I listen to him? Or like chapter 6, verse 9, where are you, God? I'm struggling. I don't see you. The good news that we see from this morning God reveals himself. Most clearly, thankfully, praise God, we have the benefit of being able to look to the cross where he has most clearly made himself known. Who is God? Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the one who took on flesh. But God, are you good? God, are you powerful? We look to the cross and we see God is good. He demonstrates his own love for us and that while we're sinners, enemies, Christ died for us. He's good. But God, are you powerful? What happened on the third day? 
Jesus rose from the dead. He put an end to death. No matter if it's been 400 days or 400 years or, or two weeks, pain, suffering, God, where are you? I can't take it anymore. The good news we have, whether we believe it intellectually or not, the, the hope we have is that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus now sits on the throne and says, behold, I am making all things new. Jesus will one day wipe away every tear. He is good and he is all powerful. And so now let us respond and pray and consider again. How do we respond to the God who's making himself known? Who is the Lord that I should listen to him, that I should obey him, that I should put my trust in him? He is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we need you. We love you. I pray that through your spirit, you will lead us to respond however you would have us respond. Lord, I pray that the words that we sing or the thoughts of our heart would align with the good news that you've revealed through your word. In Jesus' name, amen.